Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 47, where we're talking about books about food. Oh man, this is going to be an episode where you should have some snacks nearby. That is definitely true, because I will tell you, when I was reading the books for this podcast, I was starving continuously. (laughs) Same. Same. (laughs) Such a problem. Yeah, you know, like we mentioned in the last episode, if there's anything we love more than books, it's food. That is a true story. Yeah. And, you know, Autumn's always telling me all these cool places that open up in Atlanta. And there was a place recently that opened up here. And I was like, Autumn, finally, a place you have to come (laughs) up to go see. Oh, man. I Yeah, I used to not be... I don't even still consider myself a foodie, but I used to not care about food. And then I started watching Chef's Table, and then I moved to Atlanta, and now all of a sudden I really care about food. Yeah, it'll do it. That'll do it. Oh, my goodness. But before we talk about food TV, we have news. Yes, we have all kinds of news. One of the big things that happened this week is that Aaron and Trotta Kelly's book, Hello Universe, which is published by Green Willow Books, um, a division of HarperCollins, won the Newbery Award, and she's actually the first Filipina-American to win the prize. And this was announced a while ago, but I believe they just had the awards ceremony on this past Sunday when we were recording. Uh, And so it was just, I saw all over social media, and I didn't realize that she was Filipina-American, and that's just really fantastic. That's a great, I always love seeing women obviously win the award, but. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I haven't read this, but I have, I think I'm on hold at the library for it. I don't know which library, but somewhere, somewhere, I'm sure I'm on a list for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you are too. Because <laughs> I love Middle Reader, and I feel like I have really slacked off in the last few years reading Middle Reader, but the Newberry is always a special place in my heart. So I'm really excited about this one. And if you are looking for this, listeners, I just saw it on Book Outlet. So definitely go check that out if you want to get your hands on a copy. And the next thing we have is actually the Women's Prize for Fiction. You know, we've been following this along the last several months, and it was announced, I think, the day our episode went up in June. So we didn't have a chance. I think so. Yeah. So I don't think we had a chance to tell you guys, but uh, Kamala Shamsi won the Women's Prize for Fiction. For Home Fire, and like so many great books that were nominated this year, I, when you asked me right before the announcement who I wanted to win, I said, I don't know, I want all of them to win, because The Idiot was on there, Sing and Buried Sing was on there, um, what else, Him, was himself on there? No, no, that's The Sight by Jesse Greengrass was on there. Mm, that's right. And uh, the Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock, which is coming out in the U.S. this fall, which I'm very much excited about. Uh, that is that was on the short list. So there's a, a great list of books uh, on that list. So I was very excited to see Kamala Shamsi win for Home Fire. And what was interesting is that I also listened to the Man Booker podcast, and they're doing the Golden Booker this year, which is the 50th anniversary. And Kamala Shamsi was one of the judges that read a decade of the award and chose uh, a winner out of that. And she chose Michael Andache's The English Patient. Um, for mm. hers, but Penelope Lively's Moon Tiger and Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall are on the shortlist. So they picked up, they had one judge read an entire decade, and then so there are five decades, so there's five shortlisted books. The public votes for one, like is one of the judges, so you can vote for yours. And then there are, I think, I don't know how many judges there are for the shortlist, but uh, so there are two out of the five are 
women. And there's a big discussion about how so few women were actually, had won the Booker. So, so few were up for the award. That's really sad. But. Yeah. I see that Hillary Mantel's Wolf Hall is on this list. And that's in my stack right now. I really need, when is that announced? Do we know? Uh, I I think before the long list for the actual man booker is out. So probably like later this summer. I, I'm not sure when it's announced. I will put it in the show notes, a link in the show notes. So those of you listening can just follow that and check it out. Uh, but as it's a great list and I've never read Moon Tiger. Um, I read Wolf Hall this year and it's it's fantastic. Speaking of Penelope Lively and Kamala Shamsi, uh, they actually curated a collection of books called the Women Writers Series. Uh, and that came out from Penguin UK. They sent us a set of these. And there's The Lark by E. Nesbitt. And she was like a children's author. And there's Meatless Days uh, by Sarah Suleri, uh, which is, I believe, a memoir. Yes, a, a memoir of her life in the newly created country of Pakistan. Lifting the Veil, which is a short story collection uh, set in... I want to say India. Yes, 1940s India, and then Birds of America by Mary McCarthy. And so they chose these books because the series is supposed to kind of try to keep books in print that might be in danger of going out of print. Uh, and I just think that this they just did such a great job of picking these out. And uh, they're not actually available in the U.S., but you can get them through Book Depository. That's really cool. These sets of books are just amazing. I am very, very thrilled about them. So yeah, so that is all the news that we had. So I think it's time to talk about Books About Food, Autumn. Yes, so we picked this theme. I don't remember why, but we thought it'd be a fun theme to have. And in this <laughs> new idea we have of doing themes, it allows us to pick a wider range of books and a broader interpretation of what the categories are. <laughs> because sometimes we get really into like reading the same kinds of books. We want to kind of broaden it out. So anyway, that said, my first book is Crazy Salad and Scribble Scribble by Nora Ephron, and this is published by Vintage. I picked this particular edition because it is the one that I read. These Both of these books or essay collections were published separately, and only in the last 10 years did they reprint them. So that way people could have more access to them, which they didn't have before, which I think is pretty cool. So I was late to the Nora Ephron game. I had heard about her, knew all about her, but it wasn't until a friend read a f one of the essays in Crazy Salad, which is a few word, a few words about breasts, that I really was like, okay, <laughs> I need to read Nora Ephron because this is the funniest essay I've ever heard and so, so true. And it is actually from Crazy Salad. So Crazy Salad is a collection of that happen to women and things that are very particularly women. There's an essay about the first lady umpire. There's an essay about office life. There's an essay about just all the, the troubles that one has being a woman. And I loved it. I just thought it was a lot of fun. I love Nora Ephron so much. And the same friend introduced me to Nora Ephron. And so we were actually like in book club. And so she read this essay collection. And I don't. And then we had like this group viewing of some of Nora Ephron's movies and like... It was a beautiful moment. <laughs> it really was. It really was. And I was rereading the intro in preparation for this episode. And Nora says in her intro that part of the reason... <laughs> so 
All these essays in Crazy Salad come from a column she wrote for Esquire magazine about women. And she said part of the reason she wanted to do the column was because she wanted for someone to pay for her to go to the Pillsbury Bake Off. And there was an <laughs> essay in here about the Pillsbury Bake Off. And I was like, ah, this is a woman that I love. Like, she clearly cares about food. So, like I said, this is a great, a great collection of essays on a whole assortment of things. And her voice is just amazing. It is it is actually my my profile photo now is me reading your edition of the thing about my neck. I think yes. is this, and so I actually actually started reading. Like I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to just look like I was reading. I actually started reading, and that's why I'm smiling like that. Is because I picked up a random section, and no matter where you start with her in an essay, she's always just so funny. Just the way she says things, and yeah, I I really love love her her writing. She's just so funny. She makes everyday situations hilarious. She really does. And we didn't, and this is kind of stealing a little bit of your thunder, I guess, but she also did the movie Julie and Julia, or the movie based off the book Julie and Julia, which is also a, a great movie and also about food as well. But her her movies are funny. I don't know. She's just great. I'm she is. Now. She does everything. And, and she actually comes from a, a set of sisters that are all writers and are all mm. very talented. And it's just disgusting that so much talent is in one family. <laughs> I know, and I didn't even realize, like, the impact that she had on Hollywood and the movies that she wrote and how women-forward they were and all of that. So I just really appreciate her. She's really cool. So if you yeah. have or haven't read Nora Ephron, be sure to check out Crazy Salad and Scribble Scribble, and this particular collection is out by Vintage Books. And so that brings me to my first uh, book, and I took the food thing very literally and scoured the internet (laughs) for books about food. And I found this book by Kirsten Chen called Soy Sauce for Beginners. And it's actually out from Amazon Publishing. It it came out in 2014 and it was published in print by New Harvest before Amazon actually started publishing print books. Uh, And so I was really fascinated because Kirsten Chen just recently came out with Bury What We Cannot Take. And so this is her debut, though, and it's about Gretchen, who's a Singaporean woman who went to boarding school and college and grad school in the United States in San Francisco. She got married, and now she's working on her second grad degree. And she doesn't really know what to do with her life. And then in around the same time, her husband cheats on her. With uh, he's white, and so he picks another Asian woman, and he just he cheats on her and moves out. So she calls her parents to tell them, and then her dad says that your mom is very sick. She's on dialysis, and you need to you know if you want to spend time with your mom, you need to come home. So she decides to go back home to Singapore, work in the family business, and try to figure out her life. And the family business is soy sauce, and this isn't just any soy sauce. These are these clay pots and they're naturally fermented and it's like this old way the original way of making soy sauce as opposed to the way in factories and chemicals and different things that is mostly used now so she just really goes into depth about the making of soy sauce which i knew nothing about yeah i know very little about it she does this spends the first uh, couple chapters like describing the heritage of the company and so gretchen's identity is wrapped up in this family business of making soy sauce and there's this whole theme of you know are they going to go a new way and abandon the you know heritage way of making soy sauce are they going to use like these fiberglass and stainless steel and all these different things and she's also trying to figure out her life now i don't know about you but i don't really like books where the protagonist just keeps making horrible decisions about her life 
So, <laughs> so I will say that I found a, a bit of this book really irritating because she's a mess, understandably so. Like her life is turned upside down, mm-hmm. but she kept making all these horrible decisions. And I will say it doesn't end on a positive note. I would have been very angry <laughs> if it just kept going downhill. Uh, but it's her just coming to terms also with her identity. And Chen really ties it well together at the end. And talking about like her identity as a, you know an expat living in America for so long and coming back to Singapore, coming to terms with you know, the family company and there's a lot of family drama there. And it sounds really amazing. It was really well done. I mean, it's a bit unwieldy, and I found Gretchen pretty unlikable for most of the book, but as a debut, I think she did just a great job of tying all those things together in the end, which I guess is the important part. Uh, so you're not like let down at the end, but I definitely am going to be picking up Barry. What we cannot take very soon also as a side note to all of you listeners if you want to get this on audio i actually bought the ebook edition and just added the audio for two dollars and so i think the total for the ebook and the audiobook was like six dollars whoa yeah so if it's published through amazon you can get great deals on getting the ebook audio combo so there's just a insider tip for you well that's helpful yeah I'm, i was pretty excited <laughs> I was looking for the audiobook everywhere, and I was like, where is it? And then I found it, and I was very excited. So, <laughs> um, And Na- I think it's Nancy Wu that does the narration, and she does an amazing job as well. Cool. Maybe I'll have to check it out. So that was Soy Sauce for Beginners by Kirsten Chen, and it's out from Amazon Publishing. So my next book is also about a girl who makes really bad decisions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so true. Which is why I really couldn't comment on your previous comment very much being like, well, my next book is about that too. So I chose Free Food Familiars by Min Jin Lee. And if and this book was originally published by Warner Hachette. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that we're huge fans of Pachinko and Min Jin Lee. And so this is just my excuse, honestly, to read her first book, which is which as I said was Free Food Familiars. It is also very, very long. And this is her first novel. And it is just as ambitious as Pachinko, but really different. Like not even the same kind of feel or anything like that at all. And one thing, one of the reasons I wanted to read this book is because when we talked to her last year, she told us that she has Pachinko, this book, and then a third book, which will be coming out sometime. And she said that she views them as a trilogy. So Free Food is for Millionaires is about Koreans in America. Pachinko is about Koreans in Japan. Her next book, American Hogwan, is going to be about education in cram schools. So she sees them all as like one big idea, which I think is really fascinating. So this book is about Casey Han, who is the daughter of Korean immigrants. And we first meet her right after she graduated from Princeton. And she doesn't have a job and she's kind of flailing around. And she has a falling out with her parents because her dad thinks that she's lazy. And she's just like, dad, I haven't found a job yet. And that's like all in the first chapter, so it really hits the ground running. But she really tackles a lot of thought-provoking ideas about, again, about also about identity, but also about like culture and like how to navigate two different cultures. And there's also cultures within culture. So there's the Hans are poorer, but some people from their church are wealthier. Like a girl she ends up befriending is the daughter of a dentist, and he, he she has a lot of money. So there's all it's very very complex in that way, and this is actually our discussion book. So we're going to get into more of the complexities of this very long tome in that episode. But it was it was really an interesting read. It was interesting also to like see the evolution of her writing style as well. I I really enjoyed it, and 
you know, one of the things I wanted to see more of in Pachinko was like lingering on the same characters for a while. And that's something she definitely does in this Mm. book. You know, it's basically like a look at Casey over the course of several years. And I really enjoyed seeing her go more in depth with characters in this first book. And there's a lot of discussion about class that I really enjoyed and a huge critique on certain cultures in New York City mm-hmm. and and how class plays that in that role. And some of the symmetry in this book is, is just so beautiful. I can't tell you about it because that would be a spoiler. But yes, I mean, don't want to give away spoilers, but it's so addicting. It is addicting. Like, I honestly, I had a hard time starting it. And then once I got about 50 pages in, I think I read it in like three days. And it's like, what, 500 pages, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's 560 something. Yeah. So like, I read it in almost a weekend. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how addictive it was. I was like, I have to know what happens. So it's definitely a page turner for sure. So that is Free Food for Millionaires by Min Jin Lee. And that brings us to our ad spot. As you all probably know, because you've heard us talk about it, this podcast is made possible by you, our listeners, through our Patreon page. We don't really have any ads right now or anything like that, so all of it comes from our listeners, which we are really grateful for. And this is actually a passion project for us, so your patronage helps us pay for hosting, it helps us cover shipping for book giveaways, promotional items all kinds of stuff so if you listen to this podcast and enjoy it be sure to go out and check out our patreon page we have lots of different levels of patronage just starting at just a dollar a month and so for that you can get a behind the scenes look at the podcast we do for baby fridays uh we're having we just had a patreon exclusive book club meeting that you can be a part of and so there's all kinds of things and you get to like meet and talk to some of the other people who listen to the podcast and who also really care a lot about promoting and reading books by or about women yeah and it's a great time to chat with people and i still say that my favorite is is our quarterly book club we were discussing the essex serpent and our patrons will be voting on what our next book will be uh, probably as this goes up so i'm pretty excited to see what they pick Yeah, and that's been a lot of fun, and that's a brand new thing that we started actually at the suggestion of our patrons. So if you're one of our patrons, you get to have some input on what goes into the podcast and what we do and some of the stuff that we offer. So, you know, we're here to be a resource for you, and this helps us do that even better way. So be sure to check in our show notes for a link to our Patreon page to see what we have there and to perhaps become a patron of the Reading Women podcast. And with that said, I think, Kendra, it's time for your next recommendation. Yes. So like Autumn said, I really love the movie Julie and Julia, which was actually a Nora Ephron movie. And I read the book Julie and Julia, and I didn't really like it. Uh, So I love the movie, but I didn't like that part. But then I went back and I watched it probably like every other year at minimum uh, because (laughs) I really enjoy it. Meryl Streep as Julia Child is just perfection. So I was like, oh, wait, there's my life in France. And so I have a friend who's a huge Julia Child fan, and she was like, you need to read this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like, I don't know, four years ago. I pick up this book this time and I start actually start listening to it on audio and at first it's a bit slow, but then I got into my life in France and I was just hooked. And so Julia Child wrote her memoir, My Life in France, which is our discussion, our other discussion pick with her grandnephew, Alex Prudhomme, who was Julia's husband's twin brother's grandson. Long story. Read the book. You'll understand. (laughs) You'll love it. Uh, But Julia and Paul are just the cutest, aren't they? 
They really are adorable. I loved their dynamic. I just loved how it was, you know, 1940s, you know, late 40s, early 50s France. They had just gotten married. She was in her late 30s. He was in his late 40s. And he was so supportive of her and what she wanted to do. She wanted to go to culinary school when it was considered like, you know, that was work work when, you know, ladies are not supposed to do such things. But she just (laughs) goes into it. And I don't know, just something about her and like her being like over six foot and standing over all these men and like cooking all this food and making like oodles of mayonnaise to figure out the perfect way to make it. Oh, it's just so good. I actually grew up watching her on PBS and I didn't realize her whole backstory. Like I'd seen quite a few episodes of her show, but I also thought it was encouraging and inspiring to see that she didn't start her career until much, much later in life. And I feel like a lot of narratives we hear, you know, it's like these young 20-somethings or 19-year-olds who, like, start these businesses and are, like, millionaires overnight. But it was really refreshing to hear her story, how she didn't even get started cooking until she was in her late 30s. It's like almost like Annie Prue, you know? She wrote her first book and when she was 60-something or whatever, 50s. So, yeah, that's another reason. Just everything about this book and the way that she has a passion for food. And I feel like in our contemporary culture, expressing an extreme passion for something is often looked down as too intense. Because I often feel like this when I talk about books continuously and uh, people are like, well, chill, chill. You know, no one cares that much. You know, no one cares, Kendra. I hear that over (laughs) and over. And I'm like, well, I love them. And that's why Julia Child is. And she's unabashedly in love with food. And talks about how she tried to make the perfect recipes. And, you know, I love what she's done and how she worked so hard to make the best cookbook possible. And I, I don't know, I just, I was really in love with her as a character and as a person. And as a lover of food TV, you know, Autumn and I love, we both love Dave Chang's Ugly Delicious. We love Chef's Table. We love food TV. And she just really started it all. So. Yeah, which is amazing. But we'll talk about that more in our next episode. Yep. So that is My Life in France by Julia Child with her nephew, Alex Prudhomme. So last month, we debuted a new segment where we have a guest come on and recommend two books on that month's theme. We wanted to have a wider variety of books on the podcast, different perspectives, and different people from around the world give their recommendations. So this month's guest is Lauren from the BookTube channel, Lauren and the Books. One of the reasons I love Lauren's channel is her focus on body positivity and loving who you are and how that also relates to eating. She reviews a lot of cookbooks and a lot of just books on the philosophy of eating and taking care of yourself and accepting how you were made and taking care of that and just being focusing on being healthy versus doing things to make other people happy. You're making yourself happy by taking care of your body. And I think that's just an important difference to note is that you take joy in your body and how you're made. So she is going to recommend two books for us about food. So I'm very much looking forward to that. So without further ado, here's Lauren. So my first book that I've picked is a book called Big Bones by Laura Dockrill. It's a book that I've read this year. Um, it's a YA book and I don't often read YA, but it was, um, but the publisher contacted me and said, we think we'll, you'll really love this book. It's got a strong female lead in it. You're going to really love it. And I just took a, took a, took a, um, took a chance on it and, uh, and read it. And I 
adored it. Now, the link it has with food is that each um, chapter or each um, section of the book is is a story or a memory about a type of food um, that she's eaten. So it could be something like day-old shepherd's pie or baked beans or jacket potato with cheese and you're finding out about Bluebell who's the main character's life through these little mini stories about food and I just adored it and she's just such an amazing character Um, and she's just the body positive hero that I needed when I was younger all told through a story about food so loved it. So one of my favourite parts of the book when I was reading it, there's a a moment where Bluebell goes to a spin class. I'm not sure if you guys have spin classes where you're just riding this bike, a stationary bike. And um, she goes along to that and she feels so nervous because she is a bigger girl and it's full of really thin people who are all absolute experts in spinning and she's never been before. And she gets on and she feels awful afterwards she almost passes out but she goes back the next week and she loves it and I just I just remember it just resonated with me and how much I've sort of had a a, a realization recently that I can enjoy exercise for a reason other than trying to lose weight and she just enjoyed it so much and one of those moments it was just so wonderful and happy I had a personal connection with this book because I guess when I was younger Bluebell was a character that I needed um I I really needed somebody to tell me that it was okay to be um, slightly bigger than other girls in my year at school and to enjoy food and to not constantly be on a diet and to not be exercising for reasons to lose weight. And she's just such a wonderful, funny, positive, uh, hilarious character that I could have just... I read it just with such joy in my heart that although I didn't get to enjoy her as a character and as a as a body positive hero um, when I was at school, I know that when I was that age, I needed someone like Bluebell. And although I couldn't enjoy her when I was that age, when I was a young, um, young adult, I know that there's hundreds of thousands of girls out there that will be able to enjoy her and to learn so much from her. I just want everyone to read it. The, my final thoughts are that I just want everyone to read this book. Um, I just feel like if you know a girl or if you are a girl or if you've been a girl or if you have any contact with girls, these are, these, these are the thoughts that Bluebell are having are the thoughts that girls have had. And I just it's just such a happy and funny and joyful book that I just feel like there's just so much enjoyment in there to be had. I chose this next book, Eat Up by Ruby Tando. Um, I actually read this in conjunction with Big Bones by Laura Dockery. It was a complete um, complete luck that I picked them up together. They had very similar covers. They've both got very bright, vibrant front covers um, with um, with artwork of food on. And, and I just sort of picked up Eat Up um, on, on a whim, really. I like to read a uh, nonfiction book at the same time as I read a fiction book. And it just complemented... Um, big bones so much it's a gorgeous gorgeous memoir and information book and um semi cookbook about um ruby tando's relationship with food and it's got some lovely bits in there um recipes for everyone i was a vegan at the time i read this book and i was still able to appreciate um the 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 relate the the bits in there about eating meat and she's just so concise and interesting with her observations about food and people's relationships with food 
And Ruby Tando, the author, um, actually placed, I think she placed, she got, she got into the final of the Great British Bake Off, which is an amazingly humongous Bake Off uh, baking programme we have over here. And she has since then had a sort of a, a semi-politically journalism career where she's been writing for um, the Times, a, a newspaper over here. And, um, and off the back of all of that, she's been asked to write this book. So this whole book felt very special to me because it was just so interesting to connect so well with a, a non-fiction book about food that wasn't a cookbook. I love cooking and I cook constantly from cookbooks. My cookbook collection is just I mean, I've broken numerous kitchen shelves because I've just got so many. So it's really fun to be able to have a book where you can read back on people's thoughts about um, food. And my favourite part of the whole book, there's a section where it's called an ode to a cream egg. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have cream eggs over there, um, but they're a, a chocolate bar that comes out once a year um, around Easter. Um, I don't particularly like them myself. They're very, very sweet. But when I was a child, I used to love them. And as they're so special that they only come out once a year, um, Ruby writes about how you go to a, a, a news agents or a supermarket and buy this cream egg and you walk around with it in your pocket and you can feel the weight of it in your pocket and you know you're going to be eating it soon and you don't know and you want to pick a special moment. And it's a really short passage in the book, but it was just so funny and warm and nostalgic and lovely. I would really recommend that people read this book because I haven't really found another book like it. I find it a really rich, original idea that you can read a memoir or um, a, a, a non-fiction book all about food that isn't a cookbook. It's got so much more in there than just recipes and um, nutritional information. It goes back. It, it's got history of food and um, memories from her, her her grandmother and what she used to eat and how diets of people have changed throughout the years. And I feel like if you enjoy food in books, uh, food fiction, then this is the perfect place to go after a food fiction book. So if you enjoy a fun food romp <laughs> written for um, a young adult audience, and I really, really would recommend Big Bones by Laura Dockrill. And if you're looking for something a bit more informative and something nostalgic and cozy, then I would recommend Eat Up by Ruby Tando. So thank you to Lauren for recommending those books to us. We will definitely be putting those on our TBRs. Which brings us to the end of another episode, which leads me to ask, Kendra, what are you reading right now? Well, I am actually listening to the audiobook of Florida by Lauren Groff. This is her most recent short story collection, and she actually reads this one. Oh, wow. I love it when the authors read their own books. She's one of those authors I met and kind of fell in love with because she's just so delightful. Like some authors you meet and you're like, I wish I'd, you know, it was, we'll just say it's disappointing, but she was not disappointing. She was <laughs> wonderful. And she also shares a love of Virginia Woolf. And so as soon as this came out, I was like, this is mine. And I have, I'm really enjoying her look at Florida as someone who's moved to Florida. She's not originally from there, but she's adopted Gainesville as her home. And it's been interested to see someone who's also moved to the South's perspective on uh, Southern culture. And it's just really interesting. So what are you reading, Autumn? So I am just starting Visible Empire by Hannah Petard. And this book is out by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And as soon as I read this blurb, I knew I had to read it because it is based off a true story and it is also set in Atlanta. So I was like, okay, well, I think I have to read it then. It's also a summer book, so I was like, perfect read to read in the very hot, hot summer of Atlanta. So I'm really excited to get into it. And like I said, it's based off a true story. So there was a flight that was that crashed. It was Air, Flan Air France Flight 007, and it had a bunch of these 
really um, high society Atlanta residents who lived who were in the plane and some of the plane crash it really had a lot of repercussions so this book is going to tackle that so that's about all I know about it but I'm eager to jump into it it sounds really good and as soon as I saw it I sent you a photo and I was like Autumn this is you book go read go forth and Yes, and I, and I said, yes, this is a me book. I need to read. Bye. Because I, I don't know. I grew up, you know, you're growing up and there's no books ever set in your hometown. So, like, you know, you find one where you're living now and you're, like, freaking out because, oh, this is so cool. And everyone in New York City is like, so what? Like, Right, right. Exactly. That's how I felt when I read An American Marriage by Terry Jones because she was talking about the neighborhood up the street from me. And I was like, oh, I know that neighborhood. I know that street. So that was cool. Speaking of books set close to where you live, I actually asked Lauren what she was going to be reading next because we talk about the books that we were going to be reading and I thought, hey, why not see what Lauren's reading and get yet another book recommendation? So here's Lauren. So the book that I'm going to read next is The Paying Guest by Sarah Waters, which I believe won the Women's Prize for Fiction a few years ago. Um, I've read Tipping the Velvet by Sarah Waters, and I adore her. I adored that book. Um, she's a historical fiction writer. And that book is set in Whitstable, which is a beautiful coastal town close to where I live. She just writes so atmospherically and just mentions so many places that I actually know, but the places that I know, but in the 1920s. So it's just so fantastic. So The Paying Guests, I'm really, really excited about. It's about a, um, a couple who own a guest house um, and they rent out some rooms to some some strange people. Um, and you hear all about the um, the ins and outs of that. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. I find her writing really cosy. Um, so it's probably not the best time of year to be reading it as it's so hot here at the moment. But um, I'm really looking forward to reading it regardless. So that's it from us. A special thanks to Lauren for coming on the podcast and talking about some of her favorite books about food and about Sarah Waters. I know I've added some books to my TBR today, and Sarah Waters has actually been on my TBR for quite a long time, so I definitely need to bump it up. So you can find links to Lauren's social media and her booktube channel, Lauren in the Books, in our show notes. You'll definitely want to go check it out. She talks about what she's currently reading, TBRs, reading wrap-ups. And one of my personal favorites is when she hosts cozy reading nights where you just cuddle up with a blanket, cup of tea, and you read. I mean, what's not to love with that? Yeah, so that's it for this episode. So if you haven't already, you could definitely help us out by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews genuinely do help us to reach other people uh, and you know spread the love for books by about women. And you can also check out our newsletter, which will be linked in our show notes. All of the books that we've mentioned today are also linked in our show notes. And if you want to go see a full version of the show notes, you can go check it out on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. So be sure to join us next time where we will be talking about Free Food for Millionaires by Min Jin Lee and My Life in France by Julia Child with her nephew Alex. Meanwhile, you can find Reading Women on social media at The Reading Women. You can find Kendra at Katie Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. Thank you all so much for listening. We're so glad to have you and we will talk to you soon. Bye.